0: And for our second message today, we have a full sermon from Mr. Ray Kerr on The Matrix, Blessings and Encouraging. Mr. Kerr. I love singing, but when I put my heart into it, I wear out. That's not good. Oh. There we go. Is it good? Okay. I can hear myself. Uh, I I just wanted to thank the the choir publicly. We don't normally do that, but Ken, Glenda, Maxine, Fran, Lucille, Brittany, Pam, uh, everybody else that joins in, (laughs) and all of you for singing, and uh, Sharia. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Remember me. And Debbie. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, it's saving the best for last, but uh, here recently we've been, you know, it's a joy to go sing for churches, but we've we've been singing in nursing homes, and we've gone to five repetitiously, you know, going back and forth, and I have to tell you, it is very encouraging and uplifting. We really enjoy it, and it's not just for them, it's for us as well, and we are not paid in silver and gold, not paid in anything. But uh, we are blessed, and that's, you know, a very important part. And if you want to join in the blessings, you can join the choir. That would be, that'd be uh, good. You can come join us. But uh, this last time, we uh, went to the nursing home. Uh, David Hope was with, with us, and he kind of sat off in the corner, and he was, he was standing. I told one of the nurses, I said, that man over there is going to try and leave with us. <laughs> And it didn't work. They let him come anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. but uh, And this year, we went to Branson for the feast and had a, just a wonderful time. It was really enjoyable. Very thoughtful ther- sermons and great music. And there was so much to do. The construction mainly was gone. And uh, we certainly did have a good time. But uh, I can certainly relate to what Ron was saying today. So many things... He was saying, I mean, this week has been a week of weeks. They say that the first five days after the weekend is always the hardest, though. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it started off really bad. We had our identity, you know, it was stolen. But not to worry, they came back the next day and knocked on our door and begged us to take it back. (laughs) It just wasn't, they just didn't like it, you know, I don't know. But, But really... On Thursday, for real, I was sending the scriptures for the uh, for the screen, and somehow I erased my entire sermon. <laughs> and I I always back things up, but I didn't. And uh, so I am learning some fantastic lessons. Like God really loves me because He's allowing me to go through this. But that's not all. This morning, we're on a we're on a solar system. We can sometimes get off the grid, and we're—I mean—totally off the grid. And so this morning, I hadn't realized that the the electric level was going down pretty low, and about 6:30, Mm. everything dies. So jump up, so I just have to turn back on the grid. So I go out there to turn it on, and wow, in the in the kitchen area is just flooded, water everywhere. I couldn't believe it. So I ran outside, you know, and I switched over, and then. Got water all over the place, and I'm running back in the house, and the door handle broke off. <laughs> I'm going, okay. You know, he talked about these little problems that that talk, you know, keeps you from thinking straight. My goodness, I was like, you know, I don't think someone wants me to be here to speak. <laughs> uh, but we we ended up being able to take care of everything, got back on the grid, everything worked out well, and here we are. So, you know, I guess it's just. A sign that I'm getting older. I don't know because you know even elevators and supermarket supermarket music starting to sound really good, you know, and that kind of worries me. But I guess it's that paradigm, you know. We go from from young to old, and you're getting. I'm right in the middle somewhere, you know. I'm not I'm not young anymore. I'm not old. Of course, the kids called me old man for years, but uh, it's starting to really take effect. (laughs) So how are we relating? This is what's so funny. How are we relating to what's going on around us today? (laughs) I had a laugh when I, yeah, I think God's trying to make me, force me to relate well. But so many times, you know, out and about in society, it seems like the real deal. Really, life is just presenting itself so good and so clear. But you know, it's not always clear. It's not always the truth. <laughs> Pam's dad, he has a retread shop. And they have what's called the matrix. And they take a tire and they put it in there and it's just rubber. And it, it, it molds the tire and makes treads and the certain sizes and everything. And they call that the matrix. It looks just like a tire, but it's not the real thing. It's the, ti- the tire is the real thing, but the matrix it looks like it, but it's not the real thing. Now the the analogy stops there, because you know it's not we're not living in a matrix that's molding the reality. The same is with with life, and just because someone says it's so, in the real world, doesn't make it so. We have to prove. We have to study and we have to learn. Like for an example, if someone says you're a racist because you're X, Y, and Z, whatever, you're a communist, or, I mean a conservative, or you question government so you're a racist, or you know, returning veterans are now the new terrorists, and I mean, all this is kind of, it's all blurry. It's not true. That's, the, that's their matrix. They're trying to make their matrix. Or, to be in the body of Christ, you have to be in this church, right here, right now with us. That's a matrix. Someone is trying to force an idea that's not true. So how's it that, how do we look at it? I mean, that's not so. Today I wanted to explore real life and fake life, both physically and spiritually, and see where we stand in relation to it. To teach ourselves to recognize the difference, and then to choose well. So let's explore what the matrix is. In 1999, they came out with a, an American-Australian movie, science fiction action film. And it, it depicts um, a dystopian future, which is opposite of um, utopian. Utopian is perfect, kind of like what I'm hoping the kingdom is going to be. But this is dystopian. So it's close. It's kind of like what we're living now. It's closed, but, you know, it's not, it's not all positive. So this movie depicts a dystopian future in which reality as perceived by most humans is actually a simulated reality called the Matrix. And it's created by the sentient machines, and they're to subdue the human populations. Well, after I read that, I went, you know what? It's kind of... It's kind of what we're living right now. So let's put it in words that embraces today's reality. Life today, it depe- depicts a dystopian future in which reality as perceived by most humans as a social, socio-political economics uh, simulated reality called the matrix created by elite humans to subdue the rest of human population. Now, when you read that, I mean, I... I I mean, I, it kind of scared me because that's really what's happening out there. It, it's, it's what the matrix is is a lie. It's not reality. It's, a living, it's living in a dream state. And Pam had a very powerful dream this morning. It was very strange. But have you ever had a dream where you wake up and you're breathing heavy and, you know, you're just... You just had this awful dream. Maybe you're running off a cliff or doing something weird, something you wouldn't normally do, but it's all a dream. But it seems so real. I mean, I think everybody's had something to that effect, but that's what the matrix is. It seems so real, you know, but it's not reality. I mean, I kind of do that. I, I don't do it all the time, but I do wake up and have these weird dreams. Uh, The things that we're told today is about the same as a bad dream. Like uh, in the movie, The the Matrix also has this, this thing where everyday substance, they're given a pill, and it's a blue pill. And this blue pill means that they're going to go on their blissful ignorance, they're just going to keep going. Life's going to keep going on, and whether or not they, they, you know, they just keep going. It's just not like they're not engaged. Or some people were given a red pill, and this red pill it leads to being awake, aware, a vibrant, vibrant life, and having the ability to make a difference in real life. Well, I know one thing. That's what I want to do. I mean, I don't want to just Take the blue pill and continue in blissful ignorance. Although you know, it is nice to just kind of relax every now and then and just get away from it all. But we have to be engaged. And some of the things that that I tried to find what's the matrix or the opposite of the matrix, like like in the political world or in the in the world we're actually living in, the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act is not patriotic, and it's a spying and phone. You know, computer recording and all that, and gathering very detailed information. That's, you know, that's really happening, but that's not what it was all meant. To, you know, the Patriot Act is not, is not for that. That's what, it, that's what they say it's for. Or that's what they're doing, they say it's to be patriotic. Or the affordable Health Care. <laughs> I don't have to explain that, I mean, it's just not affordable. It sometimes doubles and triples people's payments. It, it is insane. A lot of people are losing their, their, uh, their health care altogether. So we have to be very careful of what's being said in the world and what we actually live. Not to be fooled. Not to, I mean, a lot of times I feel very entrapped in the, in the lie of how we're living in society today. Not able to act in my family 's best interest because of the lack of confidence of what 's being said that 's pretty easy to see, but we, we even know of companies that, that are like not spending money because they don 't know what 's going to happen in the future, so they, you know they 're telling us one thing, and the reality is something else i 'm kind of sick and tired of all the lies from the leaders and everything. I just want my freedom back. you know I mean. In Christ's own words, though, he gives us the answer. He speaks spiritually here, but applies all across the board in every areas of our lives. He's just finished preaching now to uh, a group of people on the hill, and many of them were Jews. And John 8:30, see if it oh it works. Okay. John 8:30 says, And spoke he these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus. To those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word. Then you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Now he was talking about. The Jews at the time. Actually today in New York. There's still a lot of Orthodox Jews. And in Israel and everything. But they live in a matrix of their own. They put laws around the laws. So they don't break the law. You know, you see? And and so when we he was saying when when you see the truth, the truth will make you free. If they saw the truth, which many of them did, they were free. They were free from, from the worry of having to break the little laws around the big laws. You can concentrate more on what the truth is. Free to know and act on the truth, not a living lie not living a lie not having life sucked out of us, feel like that sometimes, all the lies out there. Now we're living in historical times, there's no doubt about it. The fundamentally changed America that we knew, that we grew up with is not the same, even now. And it's different and we need wisdom and knowledge to navigate through all this. I mean this is really where the rubber hits the road. So we have a couple of suggestions here. Stay close to God, of course. Prayer continually. And ask him for more of a discerning spirit. There are things that are going to be happening that we're not aware of, that we're going to have to have wisdom, and we're going to have to have knowledge. So pray for wisdom and knowledge because it will help us in times of facing evil men and... Their ways. Proverbs 2.10 talks about this. And when wisdom enters into your heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul, discretion shall preserve you, understanding shall keep you, to deliver you from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaks froward things. Okay? Oh, froward there is like perverse or fraud... Or kind of like a car salesman. No, no, sorry, any car salesman here. <laughs> <Sorry>. No, but <laughs> it'll protect us. Wisdom will protect us. Knowledge and wisdom is important because some matrices can be harmful or even deadly. In the summer of 2012, Pam and I received a, a letter from OG&E, my electric provider, about an upgrade they were going to make to our, our, our home. <clears throat> and you know i learned it was a, a digital smart meter and i thought well nothing of it at the time but then i started hearing things about that and i said well you know i'm going to i'm going to look into this and try and figure out what what's what's the deal with this smart meter and i i learned that it's a machine that uses electric from my side of the of the grid in other words they don't they don't use it to operate from their side they use it from my side and i pay for it <laughs> which to me it's criminal in and of itself, but um, it is also a unit that sends and receives information and then sends the information to a collecting port, you know, wherever, they're, the, the company. But it also sends out hazardous radio frequencies and uh, I'll refer to them as RS, radio frequencies as a powerful as one of those cell towers. You ever see those cell towers with the fence around it? It says, stay back 500 feet. Yeah, well, now they're taking that and they're putting it on your house. It, it, believe me, it's criminal. How they're doing, getting away with that, I don't, I don't really know. And it's being challenged. I'll tell you how. <laughs> uh, so, after finding this out, I wrote to the company and I said, look, I do not want this on my home. I have people that are sensitive to it, and I do not want these RFs on my home. And they wrote back and said, "Oh, we're all we're all becoming part of the smart community, the green community, and they're all flowery words and everything." And I, said, and I wrote them back again. I said, "I understand that you're trying to become part of the green community, but I don't want this meter on my home. It's a invasive device. I do not want on my home." And then I put signs on my little meter box. Don't change it. Don't do it. Tony's over here laughing. He says, I don't mean nothing. (laughs) And he didn't. Because in September of 2012, they put one on my home anyway. After three letters I sent them, do not put it on. Well, uh, immediately we started having problems, sleeping problems. Because what happens is the RF, the radio frequency, actually... It, it, it stimulates your nervous system and doesn't allow you to go into the deep sleep that we're needing to have. And so you have a tendency to, to have problems sleeping. And it's really incredible. I also, at the same time, started getting this skin weirdness on my hands and my arm, and it's, it's not pleasant. Also headaches and a host of other things. Well, I have a brief that I've prepared. And I'm ready to send to them to demand the removal. But first I wanted to make sure, and Pam actually, she said, don't send that yet. I put a solar system on our house, and we can totally get off the grid if we want to. So now I am ready to send the letter because, you know, they could shut our electric off. And I won't keep you in the dark on that. (laughs) We'll let you know what happens. But I'm sending it in, and it's, uh, you know, I'm asking them to have, to have 21 days to remove it or I'm going to remove it. And I went and bought a new analog, brand new meter, and I'm going to put it on there. But investigation, learning, knowledge led me with wisdom to do the right things. I'm hoping that it's all going to turn out. It's working out very well, our solar system is, except this morning <laughs> it went down. The important thing is that I learned that the electric company will tell me anything. I mean, they'll tell me whatever they want. As a matter of fact, when I said, well, this device has capability of, of collecting information from all my electric sources, even the TV. It can tell what channel you're on. That, that's weird me. I'm sorry. What, how, why do they need that much information? It's insane. So, I told them, you know, you, can, you have the ability to collect this information. And they told me on the phone, we would never do that. Yeah, so, I, you know, I don't trust them, I'm going to have them take it out. But we'll let you know how that goes. The important thing is that they told me it was safe, and I know it's not. And I know because I went out wanting to know for sure, and I bought an electronic smog device. And what you do is you test for the RFs in your home or around that or... You know the uh, the meter, or your Wi-Fi, or your wireless phones. It is incredible what I learned, and I know for sure because I did it myself. I got the knowledge. I prayed for the wisdom, and all this. And it's not over yet, but I'm hoping it's going to turn out real well. You cannot believe how many RFs, radio frequency units there are in wireless phones alone. Just incredible. I'm going to give you some numbers. I know it's hard to follow numbers. I'm just going to give you a few numbers and just follow along and then I'll tell you why I'm giving you those at the end. .05, .05, that's lesson one. That leads to, now this is all peer-reviewed, uh, papers that are done from, like, Harvard University and whatnot. And these are the numbers that came from that peer-reviewed papers. .05, children have headaches, irritation, concentration difficulties, and behavior problems. That's less than one. At one, laptop, okay, that's, that's laptop use, Wi-Fi. There's sperm DNA fragmentation, decrease in sperm Viability, also headaches, dizziness, irritability, fatigue, weakness, insomnia, chest pains, difficulty breathing, and indigestion. That is incredible. When I learned that, I mean, I said, now I know why I've been having headaches and problems and things. It's because of all the RF that we're exposed to. Okay, 2.5. Altered calcium metabolism in the heart. Oop. Yeah, can't do that. And that's what I have. Uh, I have a heart murmur. My student flight license was taken away from me because they said my heart murmur was too uh, too constrictive and they took away my my license and and one of the reasons cuz my family does not have this calcium problem but I've been exposed to wireless phones all my life from the time it well not all my life but when it they started i got it right out of the box first ones so the also calcium metabolism in my heart as a result of some of that. 4.0, changes in the hypocampus affecting memory and learning. And here we thought we were having problems, you know, with Alzheimer's or something, and we we're being exposed to this stuff at 4.0, 4.0, okay? At 6.0, there's DNA damage in your cells. Your cells reproduce all the time, right? You have damage in your cells when they reproduce. The DNA is not doing it correctly. Okay, one smart meter emits (laughs) 7.9. Now tell me, all these things are happening to people. We wonder why in the United States we have the highest healthcare costs. Why there's so much cancer. Uh, It's incredible. There's there's a world of information on this that can be taken from this. Okay, 10.0 produces changes in behavior in adults at 10.0. And it is in this, uh, this study, it's avoidance is recommended. <laughs> and then on an apartment, think about this, on an apartment where there's a cluster of cells, 12, 12 uh, meters in a cluster is off 19.8. And if your bed is right behind there, or you're in your kitchen and you've got that right there, man, that's damaging. That's damaging. Now, the average wireless phone from my own testing, wireless phone in the home, gives off 300 to 600 RS. And you hold that thing up to your ear, your head. It is dangerous. Take that for your your own caution. In our home, I got those puppies out of there. I got them out. And I'll tell you, we are sleeping better automatically. And there's some other things, too. Uh, the average Wi-Fi in a home is about 50 to 100. So you get near a Wi-Fi, you got problems. They even have Wi-Fi here. I mean, it's everywhere. You can hardly get away from it. But in the United States and Canada, the acceptance numbers are insane. This is what blew me away. In the United States and Canada. Now, in other countries, before I tell you that, in other countries, it's like 10 it's like, uh, the highest I saw was 10. And it was like Lithuania or I don't know, someplace over in Europe. But in the United States and Canada, the acceptance levels for RFs, 600 to 1,000. Now, you talk about soft kill. I don't understand why they're even allowing this. But, but here it is. Knowledge and wisdom has already allowed us to sleep better. Just by taking out the phones. And I take the cell phone, and I take it out of our room at night. I don't, I don't sleep, and, and uh, some of our family did the same thing. They take their cell phones, they take it out of the room, and they're sleeping better with less, less time sleep, more quality sleep. Right? And also, at night, shut off Wi-Fi. Right? And then when you are using it, you can put, I'm not recommending this unless you know what you're doing, but I, I did this. I just put some aluminum foil, not completely around it, but facing away. So if I have, it, I have it by a window and I face it out, so it gets everybody out there. And that, that helps cut down on the, on the Wi-Fi's coming into the house. It still works for your internet connections and everything, but the Wi-Fi RF signal is much weaker. And now I can sit on my couch and I feel safe again. I don't have to worry about it. It's, it's amazing. So knowledge is, is good. And like John 8 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You know, I heard a, I mean, I have an interesting quote here from, from one of our founding fathers. Because this is tyranny. I don't know how they're allowing it, <clears throat> but they are. And tyranny in any form is dangerous. But I love the one of the founding fathers, he says here about evil. It's Thomas Jefferson, and I quote... I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And man, I read that and I go, that is so good, it's so true. We don't want, even in religious systems, we don't want tyranny. We don't want someone else telling us what is acceptable to God alone. We, we have to discover, we have to learn. There was a time that we were, that we were taught in the church that we shouldn't even defend ourselves. <laughs> I'm serious, um, and our loved ones. And now I grew up in New York, and let me tell you, that doesn't work there, you know. And it didn't really f- set well with me growing up in the church back in the '60s, anyway. And I mean, we were even taught in school not to fight, but you know, I I grew up in New York, like I said. And oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Get a rope. No, that was a commercial one. Anyway, um, I didn't agree with it, of course. But Christ really helped me to understand some of the, this issue. On John, John 18, 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. Whoa, that opened up my mind to like, why. Wh- well, wait a minute. It's OK to fight uh, f- for the kingdom and for him, but we have to realize that we have to, we're defending ourselves too. You know, we're not aggressors, but we can defend ourselves and our loved ones. The only thing for evil to succeed is that good men do nothing, and evil will succeed. The real funny thing for me was this in Luke 22:36 and 38. Now, these are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, Then said he unto them, But now he, has, he who has a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script, which is a wallet. And he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. That blew me away. I was like, what? Christ said to go buy a sword, so you have one. In verse 38. And they said to him, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said, yeah, that's enough. So it's like, he's telling them to go and, and, and buy it. So for what purpose he didn't, you know, he didn't expressly say, but for defense is one thing. And having grown up where I did, that made a lot of sense to me. <coughs> and of course, Ecclesiastes 3.3. Kind of put a little clarity on that as well. Because there, you know, Simon and Garfunkel made this song famous. (laughs) That's actually where I heard it first. And when I saw it in the Bible, I went, wow, they're prophets. You know. But it says, then say, uh, no, no, then it says, uh, a time to kill, in verse 3, and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to love, in verse 8 a time to love and a time to hate a time of war and a time of peace he wants us to be willing to have the victory for him very important in proverbs 21:31 proverbs 21:31 says the horse is prepared against the day of battle but safety of the lord now the revised standard version says the horse is ready, is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to God. And in the Moffat it says, chargers are harnessed for battle, but saving victory comes from the eternal. So here are these people are getting their horses ready. You know, whatever they do, put armor on them and special harnesses and things, and they're, and they're getting ready for battle. But the victory comes from God. So they go into battle. They know the victory comes from God. But they still have to make their horse ready. You see? We should be making ourselves ready. In many areas of our lives. This all helped me to realize it is a principled balance of being ready to the best of my ability. And depending on God totally for the victory. But it's kind of like this guy down in New Orleans when they had the flood. And flood's coming, water's rising, and this guy stays with his house, and a big monster truck comes along and says, hey, you better get in the truck, flood's coming, it's going to ruin everything, going to flood, and the guy says, "Nope, I'm waiting on God to save me. He says, oh, okay, alright, so he takes off, and a uh, little time goes by and the water comes up, and it's... Inside the house. So he runs, he just gets up on the roof. And he's up on the roof, and the floods are high, and a boat comes along. He says, Hey, buddy, you better get in the boat. Water's coming up. The guy says, No, I'm waiting on God to save me. He says, Okay, okay. So he takes off. And now the water's higher, and he's right on the peak, and a helicopter comes along. He says, "Hey, buddy, you better get in the. We'll throw your rope. Get in the helicopter. We'll save you." He says, "No, nope, I'm waiting on the Lord to save me." So, you know what happens? He dies, and he goes up to wherever it is before God, <laughs> the judgment seat. <laughs> and he says to God, "He says, why didn't you save me?" And God says, "Man, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you expect?" It's like, yeah, we're still physical. We've got to do these things. We've got to prepare. Okay? We've got to do these things. We're not, you know, look, look for God's blessings to come in, in all different fashions. Well, I'm sure that God wants us to have some common sense about all things in life. Right? But you know what it says, they say about common sense? Well, it's kind of like deodorant. The ones who need it the most, they don't use it. You know? I don't know what the deal is. But we need to be ready and able to use wisdom and knowledge to protect and defend ourselves and our loved ones, yet totally look to God to help and win. Well, another aspect, Pam and I attended uh, AC in Pasadena. Oh, and that's how you really know if you're a Christian, if you know all those acronyms. You know, like uh, AC, BS, PT, GN, WWN, RCG, WWCG. That's how we used to know if they were Christians or Because that was like Ambassador College, Brigitte Wood, uh, Big Sandy, uh, Plain Truth, Good News, Worldwide News, <laughs> Radio Church of God, Worldwide Church of God. We used to joke about that. But we used to sit around college <coughs> with some of our friends and everything. We'd talk about all kinds of things. We had We had very interesting discussions, pretty lively too. And we would be searching the scriptures, coming up with cool theories and ideas that sometimes resulted in booklets being written. We've seen some of our discussions in the booklets contain some of these things. And what happened was they'd go and write papers and they'd give these papers to the doctrinal committee. And the doctrinal committee would look at it, you know, they'd read it, and they'd incorporate it in some of the booklets. It's pretty cool. But for those in Thessalonica, they were really noble. They were really good. But there were some that even studied harder. In Acts seventeen eleven, we caught up there. Yes. Okay. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So we're encouraged to test, if you will, whether something is so or not. It's it's good spiritually. As good physically as well. You don't just want to believe what you hear, especially with today's media. You know, you got to study and challenge it. You got to look at everything. And the religious radios, you know, sometimes they have some truth that catches your attention and the really sweet words and everything, and then all of a sudden they have enough untruth that will make you question. And questioning is good, and knowing is good. It's not to be scared of it. We should be adult enough and, and mature enough. Because he says, become ye perfect. It's more like become mature in spirit and mind. So we need to be doing all these things. Searching the scriptures is, a, is great advice spiritually, but also in our daily lives physically. Search everything to find the answers. It can save us a lot of time and money, and sometimes even our lives. When we lived in, in uh, Broken Arrow, we had next-door neighbor's the Geigers, and they had six kids and all they were Catholic and um, uh, about a month ago, one of their sons uh, he was twenty one he just newly married and uh, he was a locksmith in town and he was shot and killed while on a uh, service call and um, um, the customer he, he was servicing just didn't want to pay It was really strange, but uh, they tried to uh, they tried to get away, and Sebastian kind of uh, jumped in front of his friend, and, and he was shot twice, and uh, he died. But we went to the funeral, and, and the mother was just wailing like I've never seen anyone wail at a funeral. And I really felt for her because she doesn't have that truth. She doesn't understand. And even worse than that, he died without having, had taken, uh, having last rites, and in the Catholic religion, if you don't have your last rites, then you'll end up in purgatory or limbo or somewhere. And she was afraid that he was going to be there in limbo or purgatory and have to go through all kinds of you know, ritualistic things to, to get him to go to heaven. <laughs> but the priest told her that because he gave his life, that he would, it was just like having the sacrament. It was just like it was okay. He was going to be in heaven because he gave his life. And that really put her at ease. And we were just like, you know, so sad for them. But the priest made the decision. And we don't want to rely totally on clergy or priests to give us the okay. We want to be able to know and be like the Bereans to study. This church was formed because it was forced out of a matrix, out of a paradigm. And some of you were told some awful things about your salvation, all because you did what the Bereans did. You questioned. And that is very sad. It took me a little longer, but I finally volunteered to, get, you know, to step out of the box. It takes time. But this church here is light years ahead because you know some simple truths that help explain where your salvation comes from. You know. Ephesians 2.8. You caught up with me there? It says, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. We know it's a gift. We know we can't earn it. But Philippians 2.12 says, wherefore, my my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only. So we need to obey, not only in his presence, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So now we've got to work out our salvation, but we know that it's a gift of God. We cannot earn it. That part is a gift. But we still have to do good things. We still have to do God's expectations. And that's the difference. We do God's expectations not to earn it. We can't earn it. But he gives it to us freely. We still have to do expectations. Because in Revelation 20, verse 12, it says, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, And the books were opened. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books, according to their works. That's what's there. I mean, you can't deny it. But still, grace and being saved and salvation is a gift of God. Some Sabbath keeping churches are still in this matrix. More than one believes that they're the only, you know, church that's the body of Christ. Man, it's really weird. But you know, I say overall scheme of the body of Christ, you know, someone's got to be the armpit, you know what I mean? <sighs> yeah. So how do we view ourselves? You know, in numbers 1317, but we're going to jump all the way to 33. It says and there we saw the giants of the sons of Anak. This is where the spies went in and they came out and they gave some evil reports and terrible things. And they said, and he comes down here and it says, and those were the leaders of the tribes. That was really awful. But, and they said, uh, we saw the giants of the son of Anak, which came, from, uh, came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. <laughs> That's pretty weird. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so, we were in their sight. They had so much low, low self-esteem, esteem, they had God with them. They had the promise of going into the land, and they didn't even realize it, or didn't something make the connection. Well, our nation is found, you know, the founding documents reinforce that we recognize God, and that we are all created equal. One thing they did not have, was access to the Holy Spirit. We do, but sometimes we don't use it. It's kinda of like having a it's kinda of like having a bank account. Big bank account. But you never go in and get a check out of it. Or you never get an ATN, no money or anything. It just stays there. Bank account full, of the Holy Spirit, full of it. We just don't use it. Sometimes. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, he tells us, after seeing all the blessings and cursings that's outlined in there, he says in verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. He gives us choice. We need to choose life, but we need to recognize it. We need to be out of the matrix, we need to take the red pill. Be active. That's how we are engaged. We're not a conquered people yet. Uh, Israel in Christ's day was a conquered nation. But we've been given, we've been given life in a unique time in history, and we have a voice and a choice. So we need not take that lightly. So how do we relate to what's going on around us? Do you live in the matrix? Their matrix? Or do you live in reality? Today we explored some of the different areas of real life and fake life scenarios, both physically and spiritually, and tried to analyze where we stand and to teach ourselves to recognize the difference. Then choose well. Why? John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thanks for putting up with some of my funnies today. You know, they say the first 40 years of childhood is always the worst. Have a good Sabbath. (laughs)